Karen is the proven expert in addiction treatment. A recent independent study showed that 94% of Karen patients were still in recovery 90 days post-treatment. Visit CARON.org slash real. Karen, real results, real care, real about recovery. G'day everyone, Warren Cress, the business scientist here, and welcome to episode 10 of Grow Your Brand, the podcast show where we talk about unlocking your potential so you can get more out of your life and change the world for the better. Wow, episode 10. I can't believe we're at episode 10 already. I hope you've been enjoying tuning into these episodes and that you're getting a lot out of the content in this series. If you are, please consider leaving a positive rating or review on Apple Podcasts. Really helps me to grow the show. Also, if you're not already, please do connect with me over on LinkedIn seems to be the place where this show is really taking off. So I have to admit that I do put a bit more effort in keeping my LinkedIn followers updated uh, than I do on other social channels. Just search for Lauren Cress on LinkedIn or click on the link in the show notes to connect. So today we're going to continue exploring the concept of brand archetypes and defining your brand personality. I've also got a new question to answer at the end of the show. And if you come over to LinkedIn, you'll see that every Wednesday now I'm running a post to get questions for the show. And then my followers vote on which questions they like best. There was only one winner this week. All the questions were tied, which works well for this week because today's main part of the episode is going to be a bit longer uh, to cover everything we need to cover. So the question I'll be answering at the end of the show is a fantastic one. And it comes from George Island, who asks, How do you maintain an online presence without getting distracted from the core of the business? Great question. And I've got an answer for you based on my experience as a business owner. And I'll share some ideas for uh, what's been working for my clients as well. Okay. So if you remember last episode, we talked about this concept of the why gap, this gap between the intention of the business and the perception of the business. Let me give you an example I see often with clients I have in the coaching consulting space. Let's say I'm working with a health coach or practitioner and they say to me, well, our vision is really to make the world a healthier and a happier place, one person at a time. Beautiful vision, fantastic reason to exist and inspiring, right? So that's the intention. But how in the stories that they're telling, are they going to share that? What I actually see is a lot of the time businesses are sharing stories about their program, how they work with their clients, their credentials, testimonials from their past clients, their pricing structure, their contact details, uh, messages to join their Facebook group or download a copy of the ebook uh, in exchange for an email address. So where did that beautiful message go about the impact they wanted to make in the world? And even in the testimonials, right, because testimonials are a great, great piece of content, how does that link back to the vision for the business? How do the testimonials demonstrate that vision in action? Now, say they realize they haven't threaded this message through what they're communicating in market. How do they rectify this? Again, what I'm seeing a lot of people do is they slap their vision straight on their website uh, and their social media channels You know, we exist to make the world a healthier and happier place one person at a time. That's a start. But is that the right tone of voice for the clients that we want to attract? And what images 
do we want to use to bring this vision to life? What are the key messages that will resonate most from the client's perspective? And how do we take our value proposition and spin it into compelling copy that really creates an emotional connection with our audience? So this is where your brand personality will really help you get some clarity and direction on your creative. The easiest way for me to demonstrate what I mean uh, is if I just use this example we've just been discussing. Uh, So let's say it's a health coach and we're going to talk about the way the tone of voice and the keywords and colors and imagery would change if we applied different brand archetypes. Now, we don't have time to go through each brand archetype in full. So I've put together a short ebook for you to access on the 12 archetypes, which I'll add to the show notes and also share on my social channels. Just quickly on the brand archetype front, you'll notice these archetypes all promise to offer something that connects with a need that we universally seek. And we can categorize the 12 archetypes into four categories. In the order category, we have the nurturer, who promises recognition and understanding, the ruler, who promises power and status, and the creator, who promises authenticity and uniqueness. And a blue hue is recommended as the primary color for your palette. Blue is associated with security, responsibility, power, success, and progress. And it has a calming tone that goes nicely with this idea of providing order and structure out of the chaos. For our example, we might think that the nurturer is a really suitable archetype for a health coach. So saying something like, we're here to help you every step of the way towards your fitness goals, fits nicely and gives a sense of there not being any judgment, but instead a structure that will support clients on their journey. Going down this path, we would want to use keywords like growth, empower, step-by-step, program, structure, care and understand. By showing that what their customers really want is that protection, safety and support, the nurturer brand archetype can be a great fit for our health coach example, but they just need to be aware of coming across as patronizing or encouraging codependency. The second category was freedom and the innocent who promises simplicity and trustworthiness, the sage who promises wisdom and knowledge, and the explorer who promises adventure and discovery all fall into this category. We would use a green hue in our color palette to symbolize nature, positivity, peace, balance, and health that goes along with this concept of freedom. The sage could be a great fit for a health coach who is motivated to get to the truth of the matter and find wisdom. Clients who are seeking new sources of information and knowledge that will help them grow will be attracted to the sage archetype who will use words like ask, new, conversation, think, search, learn, find, know, and experience. An example of a hook that would work for this brand would be something like a new path to a healthier life. The idea is that through the wisdom shared by the sage, the customer will be healthier. And just quickly to illustrate the difference, if we were using a health retreat as an example and they were looking at using the Explorer brand archetype, they might might say something that's just a little bit different, something like discover your path to a healthier life this March. So you can actually see there, I've just used a couple of different words that fit closer with a particular archetype. And that's really what brand personality gives us the direction of. 
All right. So onto the ego category, we have the magician who promises power and transformation, the rebel who promises revolution and nonconformity, and the hero who promises triumph and achievement. Yellows and golds are great for this category because they symbolize wealth, prosperity, power, optimism, and energy. So let's take a closer look at the magician archetype for our health coach. And similar to the sage, we'd be using words like knowledge and grow and learn, but also inspire, influence, lead, deepen, change, consider, and transform. What we're really trying to do is understand this world we're in and dream big. That's what the magician is about. So a tagline for a brand like this might be something like change your life so you can change the world. And whilst the magician is charismatic and driven, they also need to make sure that they don't let their fears of negative consequences and failure get in the way of these big ideas. The final category is social, where we have the lover who promises intimacy the jester who promises enjoyment, and the everyman who promises belonging. Purples and pinks and sometimes reds work well for this category. And if you think about the entertainment industry, a lot of celebrities and media personalities will lean into one of these archetypes. If our health coach were to choose the lover as their brand archetype, for instance, they would be focusing on the glamour, the attractiveness, and the appeal that goes along with being healthier and happier. They'd focus on the pleasurable aspects of getting in shape and use words like love, feel, smooth, stunning, striking, pleasure, desire, enjoyment, warm, elegance. A lot of beauty products use this archetype because it focuses on the sensual. But for our example, a key message or a campaign would be something like, love the body you were born with. So that was a lot to get through. And I hope by showing you how the same business with the same offer would utilize different archetypes, it shows you that this isn't about what you do, but it connects back with why you do it and how that comes across from the customer's perspective. Because again, remember, this is about developing a reputation and having influence on that perception the customer has of you. Actually, just just quickly, it's funny because as I was finishing up writing this show, I went for a walk to go and get a coffee and there's this event down at the beach called Tribal Clash, uh, which is basically, it's like a multinational competitive CrossFit slash obstacle course kind of event. Anyway, I was down at the beach and I saw someone wearing a shirt that said Stronger Together and immediately I was like, oh, that's an example of the sort of phrase an everyman or... I don't like using the word every man. It feels very male and masculine, but like the regular girl or the regular guy archetype. And it can work really well for a health coach, particularly if you're focused on group training and activities. Again, the point is all of the archetypes can work for what you do. It comes back to what resonates with you. It doesn't really matter so much about what you do, but how you want to show why you do it. And if you're having trouble figuring out your brand personality, I'd highly recommend taking the short quiz I shared last week. The links are in the show notes for you again this week. And as always, if you have any questions, uh, do feel free to reach out to me directly. I think one of the really great things about spending this time developing your brand personality is it's also going to help you to start making sure that the people who connect with your brand are the types of people you want to work with. 
if you're in the service industry, you're working with people one-on-one or quite closely and intimately, it can be really hard if you attract the wrong clients. So if you're saying one thing in market that really appeals to the type of client that actually doesn't necessarily, they're just not your type of person, right? Uh, That can be happening because your brand personality isn't clear. So it's actually really an opportunity to make sure you're attracting those ideal clients, the people that you want to work with and spend your time helping. That's what I find one of the big sort of benefits are that, that not many people talk about because and I've said this before, and I know this resonates with a lot of people. The One of the worst things, and it's worse than not having any clients, is having bad clients, just having people that aren't the right fit for what you do. So this is sort of making sure that there's that alignment there as well. So let's keep moving on uh, and get on to our Q&A segment with our great question today from George Island. So as a reminder, uh, George from Sydney, Australia, asked me to answer this question. How do you maintain an online presence without getting distracted from the core of the business? Great question. I love it. I love it because it gives me the opportunity to make an important clarification. Well, a few important clarifications here uh, that I know a lot of people find useful. So, George, if we were chatting about this face-to-face, the question I'd ask to you in response to this is, what do you mean by the core of the business? Is the core of the business the services you provide? Is it your, how you relate to your customers, the customer service? Is it your administration? Is it making sure that your vision is being lived out in the actions people are taking every day? What is the core of the business? My guess would be that what you mean by this is how do you maintain an online presence and still make sure that the business is in operation every day and servicing your existing customers? And the advice I give here does depend on a few things. Well, it depends on four things. One. How far into your business journey are you? Are we talking side hustle? Are we talking first five years, like startup time? Or is your brand already relatively established in market, for instance, and now it's about sort of building your online presence? Two, what are your own personal strengths as a business owner? Are you great at the client delivery side, but a bit patchy with sales? Are you an excellent speaker and connector or... Maybe you're great at writing copy and creating advertising material for your business. Three, who is your audience and how do they behave when they're looking for help with the problem you solve? And for this question specifically, are they online and what are they doing online? For instance, are they at the grocery shop? Are they on Google? Are they asking their network and connections for help? Four, what's the ultimate goal for your business? Is the intention to scale up and make this a larger enterprise or keep it small? Do you want to sell the business one day or is it a business largely built on your personal brand that will be retired when you retire or maybe passed down to a family member? All of these questions are important to think about because it tells us what activities we need to dial up and dial down for both you as an individual and in terms of the business as a whole. Now, Let me set a scenario with these questions in mind and what this would mean for your business activities in relation to your online presence. So let's say one, you're a startup. Currently it's you and you only in the business and you're working in the business full-time. Two, your strengths are as a practitioner or a consultant. So what you do really well is you help your clients solve a specific problem in their life or their business. In fact, let's say to keep with the theme of today, 
you're a health practitioner and you work with both individuals and with businesses. And your strength is really in providing the knowledge and the accountability to help people achieve their health and fitness goals and also develop a greater sense of well-being in their day-to-day lives. Three, if you're working with people and businesses in this space, then an online presence really is crucial. So to answer that question around where people are, I actually know this from doing research for my clients in the past, but across most areas of healthcare, people begin their inquiry on Google And it's higher than on average. So it's between about 60 to 90%, uh, depending on the area of health, where about 50% of inquiries, uh, generally speaking, start on Google. So that means, for instance, SEO for this particular market is going to be super important to ensuring people can find you. And then for point four, so where's the business going to end up? Where are you going with it? Let's say you're not planning to massively scale up or sell, but you probably want to get to the point where you can have some passive revenue streams like an online course or a program or primarily offering group coaching. Now, based on all of that, I would actually say that in this case, your online presence is really at the core of your business. The reason why is that what you do is something lots of other people do. And how you do it isn't something people are really interested in until they're nearly at the point of conversion or they've already signed up. So at that point, they already know about you. Think of it this way. I'm not a health practitioner, but I know how to market a health practitioner. As a result, I can hire people in my business to deliver that service. And this goes back to the strengths and skill set side of things, right? So in many ways, as a brand strategist, I'm at an advantage because I know how to create that online presence and maintain it. And to me, in this case, this is the core of the business because as long as I have some capital to invest in at the start to hire a health practitioner, I can make the business operate. Now, again, coming back to strength and skill set, say that isn't your skill set. That's fine. But what it means is you need to have the capital to invest in the core of your business. So growing your online presence in this case, in many ways, that is actually a better position to be in because you can outsource a lot of brand and marketing activities at a rate that is cheaper than what a health practitioner would charge to do the work. But it's important that you recognize that spending some time and money on that core of your business is really what is going to make the difference between you growing a sustainable business and sort of living client to client. So to wrap up my answer to your question, George, if Maintaining your online presence feels like a distraction from the core of your business. Think about where your business needs to be. If your online presence isn't generating business and brand growth for you and you've given it a good go of, say, three to six months, then it's time to go and get some help with this. In business, particularly when we're on our own and I'm speaking from personal experience, we're always juggling so many things, uh, so many tasks we have to do. And it's really important that personally we spend our time where we will be most effective, where we have expertise and also with the stuff we like to do. If you're not at that point where you can hire someone to help you with either developing your your brand or growing your online presence or spending your own time doing this, then focus on getting referrals from your existing clients first. If you don't have any existing clients, you don't really have a business yet. So it's really important you work out how to get that first sale And then from there, start to look at how you can spread word of mouth. You can also get free advice and help too. And that's part of the reason this podcast exists. And look, it's not an unselfish act. 
I know that there are people who will listen to this and get free advice and then will be, that will be enough for them. That's, and that's fine. That's great. But I also know that a small percentage of people will get to a point where they need to call in external help. And when they do, as a listener of this show, I'm going to be one of the people who is remembered if and when that time comes for them. One more thing I'd say for you, George, and anyone else who's wondering about this problem is start putting aside some money in your business to invest at least a couple of thousand dollars in developing that expertise or outsourcing the maintenance of your online presence. And just quickly, if you are in a business that doesn't require as much of an online presence, then you need to think about what it is that you need to do to grow your brand and invest your time and money there instead. Thanks again for your question, George. Really loving all these great questions coming in. And if you want to have your question featured, remember to connect with me on LinkedIn and submit your question there. If you do submit your question on LinkedIn, uh, I'll also read out your business and your headline to promote what you do as part of the show. Next week, we're going to take a closer look at how to develop your style guide. Until then, remember that sharing your talents with the world will make it a better place. Now on Mickey D's, when you buy any crispy chicken sandwich or quarter pounder with cheese, you'll get a free medium fry and free medium drink when you order on the app. So do you have the app? How are you going to get this deal if you don't have the app? I know you have a phone. Anywho, if you have the app, enjoy your free fries and drink. If you don't, you can't see me, but know that I'm shaking my head. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Limited time only. I participate in McDonald's. Valid one time per day. Visit McDonald's app for details. Download and registration required.